Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Now, before we dive in and talking about how the Kangs are back, I want to remind you that sports are back. And with sports being back, my bookie is back and it's better than ever. And why you can't bet on Sacramento Kings games anymore. Maybe you can get a little action here on the NBA playoffs as they get underway. Uh, my bookie has up to the minute odds on all of your favorite teams. Assuming, of course, they're still playing. Uh, with my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. They've got Major League Baseball going on. I may have forgotten, NFL training camp is happening. We're just a couple of weeks away from, allegedly, the start of the National Football League season. Uh, so no matter what your joy is, no matter what your favorite sport is, my bookie has got you covered. And if that's not incentive enough, you could use the promo code HOOPBALL, and my bookie will match your deposit 100%. Use the promo code HOOPBALL, and my bookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. Remember, with my bookie, it's easy. You bet. You win. They pay. And we welcome you into the latest edition of the Hoopball Podcast here on the Hoopball Podcast Network. I am your co-host, Damian Barling, because I finally convinced somebody to join me on this show on a very regular basis. And Jill, you have got the, uh, you have got Sacramento Kings fans attention all over social media. I I think I called you for the first time a couple of weeks ago, like, Hey, like, what do you want to do with all of this stuff? This was a couple of months ago. This was right when we were starting be heard. Like, what do you want to do with all of this sports knowledge that you have? Do you ever want to do anything in media or podcasting or whatever? And for some reason, like, what got you, besides me begging you regularly, like, what, what got you today to, to like, the, with, with Vlade out, and obviously the, the, the focus of this conversation is, you know, the changes in the Sacramento Kings office, uh, front office changes that I very much did not think were coming, uh, and we'll get into that. Uh, but you have, you have just got Kings Twitter world's attention here uh, with your thoughts on, on the approach that the Kings should take. Uh, and you even put out a couple of pieces of audio today. Yeah. Surprise, everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for um, the continued, you know, reaching out. But um, I've heard it from multiple people. And, you know, we had these conversations where um, growing up, this was kind of the stuff that I wanted to do, but ended up taking a different route. But with how accessible this stuff kind of is now, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like a full-time, you know, where I can still have my job, but be super interested in all this kind of stuff and still um, give my passion and knowledge, you know, because I am a huge sports buff, not just with basketball, but, but all over. Um, so, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, I'm a huge Kings fan, born and raised here, um, longtime season ticket holder. And 
I just, I care about this place and I care about this team maybe too much at times, but, um, it's, it's kind of, you know, frustrating, at least for me when, you know, you start watching all of these other teams and consistently your favorite team is always at the bottom in a league where half of the league makes the playoffs every year and you can't seem to get out of being the worst maybe you know bottom five teams in the league on a 35-year basis you know we had eight winning seasons so it's it's just one of those that's amazing and they were all (laughs) they were all in a row like in in because people forget the first time the kings made the playoffs they were under 500 in fact i think the Mm -hmm. first two times the kings made the playoffs they were under 500 you are correct. <laughs> but, and it's, I think we've had out of the 35, it's eight, not even just playoffs years, but eight, like over 500 basketball. Yeah. As a collective group, Kings fans has eight, seasons, a lot of losing. eight seasons mm-hmm. of, of seeing just your basic 500 basketball. So it's, we've seen bad basketball over and over. So it's like, when we know it, like we know it because we've seen it so much. And that's, you know, in this, and then we'll, I know we're kind of all, we're jumping into this really quickly. I want to make sure everyone understands Jill Edge is going to be a very regular, uh, if not permanent co-host here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network. For those who don't know, uh, cheap plug for ESPN 1320, uh, noon to two. I'm starting the daily radio show again tomorrow with, uh, Kenny Caraway, KC, uh, host of the J Street Vibes podcast over on the Be Heard platform. And I didn't want the Sacramento Kings podcast to kind of fall behind. Uh, and there's no one better who I think could help me with this uh, than you. So let's, let's dive into the losing. Uh, let's, let's start with the way that the, the bubble went, and then we'll move into Vlade, and then we'll move into where I really think you have uh, just really showed yourself over the course of the last couple of days and gotten people really excited in terms of your thoughts on the general manager. We saw them show up in Orlando and essentially lay an egg, just absolutely die. And, you know, it, I, I saw this bubble as a microcosm of the season and not just for the Sacramento Kings, you can look around the league and with the lone exception being the Phoenix Suns, you look around and you saw what new Orleans did. New Orleans played in Orlando the same way that they played all year. You look at Philadelphia, a team that is expected to go far. What was the thing that they dealt with on Orlando? They dealt with the Ben Simmons injury. They dealt with Joel Embiid missing time. What happened during the regular season? The exact same thing. The Boston Celtics are dealing with Kemba Walker's knee. They're dealing with people being in and out. We're seeing Toronto excel. We're seeing um, uh, Milwaukee play well when everybody is all out on the floor together, which is exactly what we saw during the regular season. And for the Sacramento Kings – we got, and for some reason, over the last four months, and I think, I, I think we used this line once that absence, you know, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. For us as Kings fans, absence makes us all grow dumber because what we do is we convince ourselves, well, we haven't seen them play in a long time, so Bagley's going to come out, and he's going to be that player that we've been waiting, you know, nearly two years for him to be, and, 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 and Buddy's going to be shooting 80% from the field, and, and, and Bogey is just going to be perfect, and, you know, all we – Oh, all we've got to do is we've got to come out and we've got to beat, we've got to beat Washington and we've got to beat, or we've got to beat uh, Orlando, I mean, and we've got to beat San Antonio. And we get those two games right out the gate and it sets up the big showdown with the New Orleans Pelicans. The season was over, but by the time that first Pelicans game even got here. And again, 
it was a microcosm of the season. It was, you know, what we had seen all year. And it just, it's like, okay. And it really was that loss to the Dallas Mavericks that started, okay, you know, what next? What's, what's going to happen now? Yeah. And we saw that, I mean, even this year where we saw the, oh, we're going to go 0-7. Oh, then we're going to win six games. Then we're going to go, you know, 0-5. And it's, it was that constant up and down. There was never that stability. And one thing that caught my eye too was um, when Trevor Reza was still here, that, that video went out of him, you know, at practice and he stopped that practice and and ask the kids like what what are you doing like you haven't earned anything like why are you practicing like this like you should be going out like no one's an easy win you're not guaranteed anything you haven't shown anything should be guaranteed so what are we doing and I felt like they almost went into this where with that same kind of mindset where you were playing a Brooklyn team that were I mean, they're guys literally playing for their basketball careers. Right. So to underestimate that is a huge mistake where these, these guys have nothing to lose. They're, you know, they're coming out and they're playing for their lives, essentially. They're, you know, there's, there shouldn't have been any kind of, oh, oh hold on. There, there it is. There it is. We knew, it, we, knew one, we knew at least one dog was going to make an appearance today. We, we got our yeah, first appearance. The, the minute restriction, like that shouldn't have you know, and luckily those, the two games who won, but even you saw with Memphis where they did, I believe they didn't really have the injury bug during the season where they got hit with it, you know, opposite effect during the bubble. And they kind of had to experience what the rest of the teams were kind of experiencing um, throughout the year. But I thought that was one thing that the Kings didn't take advantage of all year was I felt it was going to take that kind of season where you had a bunch of those teams lose people um, for them to be able to, to make that step up. And they were, you know, we got hit with it as well, but I felt like we, and maybe that was me being unrealistic that I thought we had more, more talent put together than, than well, we did it. Um, and it's frustrating because you did see it click at times. And so it was like, okay, well, these guys can do this. So what's missing that it's just a continual? Because we saw the same thing last year with Dave, where right. they stopped, they started hot and then just dropped. But so, last year, they actually were hot. They were hot for a sustained right. period of time. Not for, you know, and, and you know, and I'm not d- d- diminishing. Until Shump left. And what? you saw their faces after he left. Yeah, that even day. The inter- even the interviews, it was like, Oh, like you can't it. And I, I don't like saying this, but it was almost like you could see it on their face where they already gave up. Like we lost that guy and I know they're young and they hadn't really dealt with like big trades and things like that. And they, you know, they had an identity of the scores and you know that, but you could see it on their face where it was like, what, what are we supposed to do now? We have no idea what we're supposed to do now. Still one of the, in, 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 it's going to take a lot to top this one of the strangest moments as a media person I've ever had was that game being on the floor with you know there was always a regular group we were always out there at the same time and you know Jason March going through his warm-up I think it was Ben McLemore that was out there and me and uh Jason and and you know maybe Doug maybe a handful of us were getting word that uh, that Shump has been traded and they don't know 
like the coaches don't know. They're like, did something happen? And they're like, yeah. And you know, Ben's got his earphones in, so he can't hear anything. They're like, yeah, Shump was traded. And we, we kind of lay out the details and they're all kind of looking at each other like, okay, like, okay. And then if you've ever been to a game early, you know, players come out at virtually the same time. Every, not that night, boy. It was like guys were not coming out. They were late coming out. I was standing next to a particular media member who got a text message from De'Aaron's agent. And De'Aaron was furious that night. And I think we all know that by now. Within minutes, within seconds of him telling me that, the former public relations person, former media director of the Sacramento Kings okay. called yeah. that media person and was like, hey, you want to come on to the back? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, let's talk a little bit. And it was, it was such a such a bizarre and, and and there was someone on houston because shump got traded to houston right yeah, it was, it a, was i feel it like was, it was there was a three-way yes, trade because, because cleveland was involved as well yes um for and, burks and someone on the rockets was involved and i can't remember who but that player was on the floor like he was out there warming up and the strength and conditioning coach for the Rockets came out. He pulled out his earphones, and we're all watching. We're mesmerized yeah. because we're seeing this guy's life change right before our eyes. And I know this is a total sidebar. He pulls his earphones out, and, and, and the guy's kind of got him wrapped up in a semi-hug. And he clearly says to him, you're traded. And he kind of looks at him, and he, he nods, and he goes, like, Okay. And he goes back and he finishes like a couple more shots and then he hugs his coaches and goes back to the locker room and that was it. So, yeah. and it. But so many people point to the moment that Amon Shumpert was traded as the moment it felt like everything changed. And this goes back to the bubble point where kind of where I sidebarred to that, that got us into that conversation was you even heard Luke say, but these guys have to learn how to be mentally, like mentally tough. Like, yeah. And as hard as that is, that there's, this is a business, like there's a pandemic going on, like they've left their families. Like, I mean, I, you got to find some way, I guess, to, to just flip that switch and not, not let it affect you, you know, easier said than done. Obviously. Sure. But um, everybody is playing under the same circumstances. Right. And that's, and that's where, you know, you talked about injuries before and you talked about guys being able to come back healthy. The only team who really kind of lived up to the, you know, just let us get healthy, let us get healthy. And it, and my, and I, I'll never, ever, ever, ever <laughs> doubt him again is Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard was like, if we're healthy, we'll get in. We just have to be healthy. Give, I remember he was before the, before the, he was saying, give us, give us an opportunity in this restart and we'll get in because we're back. We're healthy. And man, they, they, they sure yeah. did. And what did he say? And I'm going to pack my bags to be there for months. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not going for, for eight games and going home. I'm packing and my, in my head, I'm going there, there. for you know, two months or whatever it is. Like, that's, that's it. And he more than proved that. And you brought up the pandemic and, and obviously, you know, this incredibly, you know, unique time that we are in, in our history and, and not just, you know, American history, but, you know, to, to break it down into the microcosm of, of, of sports and the NBA in this, you know, and champion that's going to be crowned under the most unique of circumstances. And we have to look around the league and know that the Sacramento Kings are one of the teams that have just absolutely been financially clobbered. 
And it was that reason that I was confident, well, as much as I would love to see a change uh, in the front office, as much as I would love to see a change on the bench, that's not coming because it's incredibly unrealistic to think that they're going to pay out uh, a contract, much less multiple contracts for the next three years. Uh, But yet, lo and behold, it wasn't until, uh, you know, the day after they return uh, from Orlando that uh, Vlade steps down steps down from his position and we've learned as much from Jason Jones and Sam Amick from The Athletic recently that he was presented with an opportunity to take a reduced role which is just a it's just a mind-boggling thing that we're going through this all over again it's like if you there's a saying and I'm gonna get it wrong because I always get sayings wrong but it's something like if you don't learn from history you're doomed to repeat it clearly the Sacramento Kings organization is not learned from history because we've seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, so so Vlade's out. In the seven, you know, in addition to the seven years we've seen it. And then in just these seven years, not even in official positions, but just, you know, advisor positions, it's, it's happened like three or four times. The, unofficially. The, <laughs> like, <laughs> The if advisor. You're attention, if you're paying attention, you can see that besides the, you know, the things that are made public, there's things that, you know, you have heard that have come in and all of a sudden gone out, but they all still had the ear. And that the advisor the position that work. <laughs> is such a load of crap. The the that's term very, oh it's an advisor position in the game. That, go, be the, go be the advisor. That's it. Like that is the the, the advisor is the the GM or the boss or the whatever in waiting. That's that's all it is. And when Joe Dumars was brought in here, it felt like it went awfully quiet for a while. And I just kept thinking back, like, he wasn't brought in here to be window dressing. Like, he was brought in here for something. The question is exactly what was he brought in here for? And I know there are a lot of Kings fans who aren't really keen on the idea of Joe Dumars being either the, the president of basketball operations or vice president of basketball operations, whatever that official title that would oversee the general manager be or him being the general manager or serving in a dual role. But the fact is, I'm under the belief that Joe Dumars does deserve another shot to run a basketball team. I don't know if this is the basketball team just because of the hierarchy makeup and it doesn't feel like it's the I don't know. I, I feel like Joe is the type of guy where if you put him in a position and, and I know, you know, people are going to make their Darko jokes and they're going to make their Bagley comparisons and all that. Like, I like I get that. Like w- when you're in a position like this, you're going to be picked apart. and You're going to be. You but know. I think he had lost important assistance at that point in time. Yeah. Um, that got promoted elsewhere where he said he was understaffed. He not necessarily understaffed, but he realized after certain people left, like John Hammond, how mm-hmm. understaffed the scouting department was. But when he had people under him that, you know, that were good, he was great. Yeah. And he correct was, me if I'm wrong, because you'll, you'll know this better than I do, but I feel like I'm, it wasn't Ken Cantonella one of his guys? Yes. I'm a big Ken Cantonella fan. Not as the the top guy. Yes, the money guy. Jill's making the money sign. I am all for Ken Cantonella being the guy to manage the 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 salary cap because as much as as much as of a debacle as I feel that the Kings free agency signings have been, whether it's Buddy Heald or or Dwayne Dedman or Trevor Ariza or anything like that, Ken Cantonella actually got the most out of those signings in terms of 
there was a time, believe it, believe it or not, Joe, I'm old enough to remember when we thought Matt Marvin Bagley was a shoe in for a max contract. Uh, we yeah. all were kind of preparing for, okay, the Aaron's going to get his money and then Bagley's going to get his money. Where is bogey and buddy? Where are they all going to fit into this? Ken Cantanella made it all work. I love him being on the staff, and I have to assume, you know, even with Vlade gone and Peja gone, that he's going to be a guy that Joe Dumars is going to keep around. Yeah, and I think he's a trusted guy to him, too. And he is another guy where he is very well respected, too, around the league, where a lot of people were impressed. Kudos to Vlade on this one when he brought him in and, and was able to do that. I mean, that yeah. was that's one guy, I will say, that's one assistant that was more than qualified and is more than qualified to be there. And how many did we have? There, there was Vladi, there was Peja, who I never saw do anything ex show, except show up in, in just fantastically tailored suits. There was Ken. Are we missing? Am I missing one more? Or was no, that it? And then we had um, Luke Bourne, who was analytics, who's now a consultant. But that, oh. it, that was our extent. So when we say that, <laughs> what I mentioned on my other ones today, when when I mentioned some of the names out there that had multiple, you know, three, four assistant GMs with, you know, 10 to 12 years of working themselves up from an intern scouting player development all the way up. They have three, four guys, you know, under their GM with this, we had Ken and a best friend, yeah. you know, I right. love, I love yeah. Peja. I love Peja. He is one of my all time favorite players. Like I, I still have all this stuff here, um, but that's what it was. It, and, and I get it in the sense where he needed people he could trust because this organization well, has look at what a happened. great way of bringing people in here that yep. try to overthrow you, you know, and as you're swimming the pond together. Mm -hmm. And so until that clears out, um, so I get why he felt like he needed a friend here, but that's also why, they weren't getting these other people coming here is because why am I going to report to and around these guys who I have, you know, 10 years of experience over mm -hmm. that's, you know, that you can't blame them. <laughs> I said, uh, you know, everybody remembers the, the ridiculous remark about me uh, referring to Vlade's post DeMarcus trade press conference is moronic but really my point in in that moment was less about that and more about the fact that I didn't think four years ago he was qualified to be a general manager of a basketball team and I'm not sure that four years later not because he's gone uh not because he stepped down not because he was asked to take a reduced role nothing like that I I, I feel like my opinion in that sense hasn't changed in that you know, you reading his comments that he made to Marcus Breton in the Sacramento Bee about he was trying to make a point to Harry Giles by not picking up his his option. And it's like, yo, like, Vladi, do you know how this works? <laughs> like, you you could have just pissed away like an incredible talent because and that's the thing I thought for the last almost year now, I was joking when I said they were trying to make a point to Harry Giles. And the fact that he admitted that they were trying to make a point may uh, apparently having no idea that they m won't be able to retain his services. It's just a mind boggling. It's a mind boggling thing to think about for a guy who's been the general manager of a basketball team for, you know, go going on almost five years or whatever it was. Right. And yeah. And, 
in the span of trying to make a point, they also fired you know, or asked them to step down the the whole training staff that mm-hmm. rehabbed him for the last you know two seasons. Yeah. But I I get the the whole making a point. It's, that's not how you asset. do it though they're an asset like there are ways to do it and and with harry too where i feel like you're still scratching the surface with the kid like with how many years he's had to sit out and basketball years is he what maybe a senior in high school a freshman in college because he had two years out in high school and yeah. partial of college but i mean this kid was the the number one recruited kid for a reason and if you're going to draft him at 20 over people like Jared Allen and ones that did not necessarily have, you know, injury or if you want to call it a flag or, you know, whatever, um, and then rehab him for a whole year, I don't understand how you – this is how you try and make a point to the kid when you've also – done all the other kind of stuff behind the scenes. And it was one of those rare moments where the Kings were being praised for something. It was like, what a pick, like they, like low risk, high reward, like what a great move by Vlade and SF. Maybe, maybe they're finally getting it together. Like what a, just what a, what a, what a, just a, a phenomenal idea here. And you, you saw, you talk, you used the term flashes earlier in terms of a team. We saw flashes of Harry Giles. We saw flashes of, oh my gosh, okay, like I get it. There were times, and I think this is where, you know, Kings fans really got divided on him. There were times where he looked lost on the basketball floor. Uh, but it goes to the point that you just made about how much basketball time he's missed. Right. Marvin Bagley has played more basketball than Harry Giles, and there were times that Marvin Bagley looked lost on a basketball floor. And I wonder – you know, I think about this roster and I think how about old the, is, how old is Buddy Heald? And you see, he still he's has 37, time, right? So you still, I mean, no matter how old these guys are, you still see it. You still yeah. see him lost at times. Well, but Buddy's different. So like, I wonder, I wonder how much when you look at Dave Yeager and you realize, you know, depending on who and what you choose to believe that perhaps they're and, and, and I don't think Vlade had any difficulties in parting ways with Dave Yeager. I don't think this was like a battle within his head. We knew that he had his eyes on Luke Walton as soon as the Laker rumors started. Back in January. Like, yeah, I was going to say, it must have been in January or February. Yeah. And, like, I, I wonder how, like, empowered these players are to where they don't feel like they have to respect their particular coach. They already ran Dave Yeager off. They brought in Luke Walton, who, to me, this is the – you see this in the NFL all the time. I don't track it as much in basketball, but I'm sure it's a similar thing where you go, like, the opposite direction in the – the, the, the example that has been popping into my mind over the course of the last few days is when the Dallas Cowboys, they had Bill Parcells. And Bill Parcells was this strong disciplinarian. And there's famous photo when Terrell Owens gets traded to, to the Dallas Cowboys and he's like behind Bill Parcells and he's, he's like yelling about something. And you can see Parcells with his head up in the air and his eyes are rolling back like, you've got to be kidding me. And the season gets here and he, the, the, the offseason gets here and he goes, I, you know, we lost to see. I don't want any part. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to move on. And the Cowboys hire Wade Phillips, who, God bless Wade Phillips, son of a bum, he could not be a more opposite than what Bill Parcells is. And that's what I saw with Dave Yeager, maybe not to the extreme that Bill Parcells was, but Luke Walton sure appears to be everybody's, like, homeboy. Yeah, well, and to me, it was another sign of the – Williams was also let go at the time along with Jaeger and it was I have to get someone 
doesn't have to be the best person for the job. Luke could, I, I'm, I still think there were other people out there that you could have at least interviewed. Um, Williams. But to me, it was, right. It was another one. I have to get someone I know and I trust that mm-hmm. won't be trying to, to take me out. And that's, you can't. And that was the underlying. Our, if that's how we're running our organization, like you're doomed for failure at that point. Trust. I mean, if you're not getting the best people in here, but just getting trust. Trust then, or mistrust, however you want to look at it. That seems to be right. the underlying theme of, of Vlade's tenure here. And really seems to be the underlying theme of the Sacramento Kings ever since Vivek became the primary owner. Yeah. And that's not changing. Vivek is the owner and he's got his, you know, circle of people around him and they're going to have to figure out a way to make this work or we're just going to continue to get more bad basketball. But, you know, I, I was talking about the players being empowered and I look across this roster and I, I know how close we are to the team and I know we spend significantly more time dissecting the Sacramento Kings roster and their role players and their eighth guy and ninth guy and 10th guy than we would, you know, than we would the Los Angeles Lakers or the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Miami Heat or the Indiana Pacers or whoever. And I think when we do that, we often, we find the best in guys. Like we find the best in Daquan Jeffries and we find the best in Kyle Guy. And, you know, all of these players that don't really mean anything to, like you ask, you know, followers of, of the rest of the league, they're probably not super familiar with guys like Walt Williams or, or with Lionel Simmons. They might, might remember Lionel Simmons in college. Kings fans, you know, especially longtime Kings Legend. fans who have some, oh, yeah, hey, we, we are all about those guys. But, like, we, we overvalue these players, and so I think we often overvalue the, the, the talent roster, and, and we look at them and we go, okay, no, no, they should be really, really good. And I think on the surface, this team really is talented. But I think they would be, like, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, like, imagine if De'Aaron Fox was playing for, like, Eric Spolstra. Or if Buddy Heald was playing for Greg Popovich. Because I think there, if players don't respect the coach, and, this, and I think this is another fascinating question, if we you know, kind of venture into the roster part of this when we're talking about Buddy Heald and what could be, you know, what this upcoming offseason will look like for Buddy and Bogey, who I think our entire universe is going to center on over the course of the next couple of months, is would Buddy play differently for a coach that he respected more? If it was an Eric Spolstra, if it was a Nick Nurse, if it was a, you know, a Coach Bud or, or, or a, 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 a Steve Kerr, maybe, would he? Because we're all screaming, hey, buddy, catch and shoot, catch and shoot, catch and shoot. Don't be James Harden. You're not James Harden. You can't be James Harden. There's one James Harden. Right. You can't be Kobe. There's, there's one Kobe. You could be Clay Thompson. You know, and that's not, you know, there's, there's one Clay Thompson as well. But the point is you could be a very effective catch and shoot score and the more buddy dribbles the more mistakes he makes the more mistakes he makes the more frustrated fans get the more frustrated his teammates get yeah and I think if he was in somewhere like the heat or something I I 100% think they would get out more of them and I think one of our issues here is we we don't I mean as much as we all think De'Aaron Fox is going to be that star and he you know we've seen the flashes and we've seen it and he's up but we don't have that bona fide name star on our team. Right. And every, if it, to me, it feels like every guy almost tries to do too much to try and maybe make up for that where you have these other, you know, where you have DeRozan and, you know, with the Spurs, you have Butler, you know, and the talent you have on these other ones where I think the guys are able to do what they're good at because they're not being necessarily 
forced to play outside of of their best pieces yeah or their best asset you know to themselves and you 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 know you mentioned Shumpert earlier and you just said Jimmy Butler's name and it makes me think man imagine maybe maybe it's not a coach who should be holding them accountable maybe it's a player, player. because Jimmy Butler wouldn't be putting up with this nonsense in a, if he was in a Sacramento Kings uniform that's one thing they always said DeMarcus needed that guy to put him in his place I mean right. how many times did we hear that it well, was and, never a coach. It was you changed the coach all the time, but they, they needed that player there to that vet to let him know, you know, this is how you be a pro. I mean, we heard that every year from that. That seemed like the, the narrative coming out every season. We heard it from Shaquille O'Neal, for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> We're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the, I'm going to teach this young man how to be a pro. He's on Sports Center next to Vivek. Like, I'm the owner of the Sacramento Kings, and I'm going to teach DeMarcus Cousins how to be a pro. Like, what? No. Wait. Okay, cool. Like, did you – like, were you ever here besides that first game at the the, the Golden One Center? Because I don't get the impression you were, fam. Yeah, um, and, and it seems to the players, like, when they had Shump, like, he might not have done, you know – crazy stuff on the floor but he was that grit kind of guy and all of those guys like wanted to to have that grit with him and you saw that kind of fade away when he left so I think that does go back to the point where they they need that grit player almost to make them like pumped up and and want to do it as well well the term everybody used for shump was the same it was used almost universally and it was swag yeah. The team lost its swag when 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 Shump was traded. And it's amazing to think, like, people don't often give enough credit to the guy who, you know, Shump's not a 20-point-a-game score. Shump, actually, you would just yell, no, nah, Shump, don't shoot this one playing. Nah, don't shoot this one, Shump. But you always wanted him out there. He's one of those types of players who, like, you want him on your team. And his short stay here was so impactful uh, for these young players, he obviously had a very close relationship with Aaron Fox. And, and, and it's like you look at you guys just missed reading the room like you read the room wrong, whether it was whether it was, uh, you know, Vlade or whether it was Ken Cantonella or whoever, you know, kind of put that stuff together. It was like you you really read this room wrong, because if the return was Alec Burks, like that was a bad, bad look for you. Right. And I and I understand on on paper, you know why why they would have done it but and it, it kind of went back to where I was thinking of like when Weber came back from injury and kind of messed up that whole chemistry yeah. during their yeah. run that it's he that you know Divock prides himself on being that bring everybody together that that chemistry guy that that I guess even he couldn't see that how important I guess that of a role that Shump played. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I, I, it's, it's frustrating that we're even having to talk about keeping guys around to pump everybody up. Right. Like that, that shouldn't even have to be necessarily, yeah. you know, a thing, but. Well, so, we've outlined. Yeah. We've outlined 35 years worth of problems here, <laughs> headed into 36 with uh, Joe Dumars overseeing this general. We, some of us more than others. Uh, some, of us, some of us are just along for the ride to be able to report it um, or talk about it on their podcast. 
What do you think? You've talked extensively about uh, potential general managers. If I said, okay, you can pick, like you get to pick. And there are a lot of people campaigning for you to be in charge of the general manager shirts, by the yeah. way. You could pick the next Sacramento Kings general manager. Who would it be? Most people would probably assume that I would say Dan Tolzman because he's kind of like my little underdog favorite right now. But I really like Jeff Peterson. Okay. So he was one of the, just one of the three finalists for, I think it was the Detroit and the Bulls, but it was okay. But he is only 30, I believe, super young but he's been in the league for almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. Remember the trade that we all thought should, if we weren't going to pick Luca, you know, take that, that we knew who the other teams were going to be taking. You know, that wasn't a question. Mm-hmm. Atlanta had been top, I mean, that we knew they liked Trey. Like that, that was a thing. <clears throat> Peterson was the guy in Atlanta at the young age of, I don't know, he's 30 now, so he might have been 29 back then. Um, but he was one that orchestrated that trade for Atlanta to to Dallas to get Trey plus that additional pick. Right. If you're not going to take Luca, at least he got another first get round. Get some assets, yeah. But, and that's where I think we're kind of lacking is knowing those kind of things. And he has really good connections between he's been in Atlanta the whole time, but the the amount of talent and names they've had in Atlanta during, you know, that seven to 10 year span that he's been there. Um, you know, they Atlanta did a great job of pulling a lot of Spurs guys um, that were going back and forth. And he's made a name for himself. He's, he grew up, he grew up through the scouting ranks, through player development. Um, He's now the assistant GM at uh, with uh, Brooklyn, and I think that speaks volumes that Sean Marks, after he left the Spurs and went to the went to the Nets, that um, as soon as um, what is it, uh, Trajan went to um, uh, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So, who's the first guy he calls? Jeff, yeah. come out here. Yeah. I mean, that's that's who he calls to replace him. I mean, and that's a big name to replace, but if, if he thinks that that guy can there. And so he's just a name that you've kind of seen over the last couple of years as a young rising star in scouting player development and in um, front office that I think he's a guy that could grow with, with his team. And I don't know if age would help that maybe he kind of relates to these, you know, that these young players more so maybe than um, someone older but I do think there is – he has seen the game change as well in the last seven years, and he's been a part of that change and been very successful at that change and very successful in who Atlanta has brought in via draft, free agency, you know, trades. Um, he had pieces in that. So I, I think he's a name that I would – personally, I would, I would go after. So there's, I think there's going to be two schools of thought. I'm with you in that I like the idea of someone younger. I like someone who is, I, li- I like the idea of someone who has recently worked up and has, is working their way up through the ranks. But there's going to be another school of thought. And they're going to bring up names like the Colangelos. And they're going to bring up names like the Hankies and, and, and those types of guys. And I feel like, 
and I and maybe <laughs> you know maybe Joe Dumars is in that same category, and it'll be interesting to see what Joe Dumars's role is if another general manager is brought in. Uh, does does Joe Dumars want complete autonomy, which is ultimately what Vlade wanted when it was taken away from him? He said, I don't want this job anymore, and he moved along. Um, or, it, you know, because I, I feel like with – I feel like there's there's two schools of thought with how the Kings organization would approach this, and there's enough history, even over the last seven years, to to show us that this is likely. If you bring in a Colangelo or a Hanky or someone like that, someone who's kind of, you know, is going to come in with their chef puffed out talking about, I'm going to be the one – who's going to turn around, you know, 14 years of misery and, uh, you know, 35 years of mediocre basketball. I'm, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one guy outside of Jeff Petrie who's been able to turn it around here. There's going to be someone over their shoulder monitor. Okay, this guy's a little too big for his britches. Keep an eye on him. Let's, let's, let's make sure he doesn't get out of line. The other school of thought is you go with one of these younger candidates and, and, and you bring someone in, you turn the reins over to them. There's going to be someone sitting over their shoulder going like, hey, make sure this kid doesn't screw it up. Right. As if you could possibly screw it up anymore. But I, right. I, I'm like, I'm, it, I think everything with the Kings organization moving forward starts and ends with Vivek, the little shadowy figures that surround Vivek, all going away. And Vivek has done a good job of pulling himself out of the spotlight publicly, but it's obviously very clear if he's going to Orlando sitting, you know, in a love seat with Joe Dumars, he's obviously still has his hands all over the basketball operations portion of this. Right. And um, Chris on Twitter made a good point yesterday when we were bringing up is I think it, it right now it's hard to know because we don't know what Joe's position is going to be, but if, the interim tag going to remove and he's going to be that VP, a guy who has worked under him for years that was successful with Joe the whole time he was there was John Hammond, who's mm-hmm. now with the magic, but he, he turned around the Milwaukee bucks. He's done a great job with the magic. Um, would he be interested in coming here and, and working with Joe if Joe was staying that to me, that's where it kind of, I don't know what Joe's role is going to be. So it's hard. It's hard to know what the person coming in, you know, what they're going to be able to do. And so I guess on that sense, you hear Scott Perry as well, because they have that connection, but John who has a history of turning around small market teams and drafting well, um, he could be a name to, to consider and watch. There are three uh, head coaching vacancies. Um, and, and, and I don't, unless I'm missing one, the Nets is still open. Uh, the Chicago Bulls fired Jim Boylan a couple of days ago. And then uh, in, in a not particularly surprising move, the New Orleans Pelicans have parted ways with, with Alvin Gentry. The Pel- obviously, the Nets is an incredibly appealing job. And I would argue two of those three positions are extremely appealing. Is there any appeal to coaching the Sacramento Kings? Because if there is... If you know that Luke, if you're Joe Dumars and you know Luke Walton isn't your guy, don't you have to start making plans to getting rid of him? Because ultimately, I, you know, I, I joked in our immediate reaction uh, when Casey and I were having some fun on social media that keep an eye out on Chauncey Billups because Chauncey Billups has been interviewing you know, for jobs across the league as a head coach. And now there seems to be a link between Ty Lue and Chauncey Billups. 
And Ty Lue seems to be poised to land one of those two marquee jobs. And the point I'm trying to get at is, are you willing to fall a year behind in hiring your new, if you know Luke's not the guy, and I feel like Joe Dumars knows that now, but I also wonder if he's maybe trying to do something that is completely foreign to the Sacramento Kings, and that's bringing in a general manager and allowing him to make the decision. Right. But like, I, I wonder if you're willing to, to, you know, wait this out, potentially lose top candidates to these two top jobs. Right. So this is where the Kings have had an issue, too, in the last seven years. When, when Pete was here and, you know, him and Malone clashed, and then you had Mullen and Vivek and their own ideas of maybe wanting to bring Mullen in for the coach and, you know, this whole background chatter that you would, you know, hear, but you weren't quite sure if it was true or not, but there was enough kind of thought that, you know, that there might've been stuff to it. And then you heard, oh, they offered the job to Alvin Gentry to be Malone's lead assistant, but he turned it down because he knew at some point, you know, when it turned, they would get rid of Malone and he would get bumped up and Gentry didn't want to be a part of that. Um, I feel like it's, and, you know, and last year from when we were hearing Luke's name back in January, I'd assume they wanted to let Yeager go even sooner, but because they started the way they did, they couldn't justify firing him then. So they had to wait till it tanked. And then it was like, Oh, okay, well now we can do it. Oh man, that Um, sounds familiar. Wasn't that the the same model they followed with Mike Malone? Right. So, and now we're seeing Luke. So his lead assistant job is now open where this is where I think it's really interesting. If you don't think he's the guy, if you're going to try and bring somebody in, to be his assistant, and let's say it does go south, then you're getting rid of Luke again. Are you promoting the assistant? Like, what are we again repeating the same yeah. cycle? It, yeah. it, a, a solid, yeah. I, I don't know. Alvin Gentry would make a nice lead assistant. He's, I think that's, I think that's what Alvin Gentry is great at. He's being a right. great lead assistant. But the problem with him is, is he needs a great head coach to be a great lead assistant. Yeah, and 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 some and and not all coaches are like that. I mean, maybe some are. Uh, Tom Thibodeau comes to mind. Um, he he kind of got, and I believe that Thibs. I believe Thibs is a good is a good coach. I think he needs to adjust his. I need. I think he needs to adjust his leadership skills a little bit, uh, and maybe adjust his practice times uh, for 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 his squads, and maybe a, a, adjust to the age of his roster, but. You know, he was Doc Rivers' lead assistant, and he had his pick of the litter. He just said, no, I'm good. I don't want that job. I don't want that job. I'll just stay here as the assistant in Boston. Oh, that one. I'll take that Chicago Bulls job. And, you know, I wonder, someone, someone, and man, I hope it's not the Kings, someone's probably going to throw some money at Mike Brown here pretty soon and allow him to come in and be a head coach again. Um, that was a name that was being floated around back in January as well, before Luke. <laughs> Not he, knowing if Luke was going to be free or not. And the, and the wild thing about Mike Brown is when you look at his record and, you know, people will make the LeBron James, you know, line and all of that stuff. Mike Brown has a phenomenal record as a head coach. Uh, even when he was in, what was it, Los Angeles? His last, he, he wasn't that bad. You know, he wasn't awful. Um, he, I know he doesn't really move the needle for people, but when you're the – like, look at the players that he coached. Like, he coached Kobe. He coached um, – he coached LeBron. Like, you're under the microscope when you do that. 
Right. And that's where I think that the Kings have kind of had issues before is we need to start targeting personal aid meet people in the front office and coaches where they did a great job with this and the support staff of the coaching with the Kings. You're never going to get that star unless you draft it or develop it. Mm -hmm. So you should be throwing all your money at people that that's what they excel at. Not the flashy name that, that, that coached a star, you know, at some point, because right now we don't have, that's not our roster. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's, that's, you know, a lot of people, I, a lot, most people know that I love Kenny Atkinson, but that's one thing where no matter where he's gone, he's excelled at that. And, and the Nets got to that point where they're, they're beyond that now. And so to me, now they're looking for that, that big name flashy guy that can now coach these stars where Kenny excelled at getting these young guys ready to go. Now they need that, that bigger name that can handle, you know, KD and Kyrie and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, But the Kings aren't there yet. So to me, you need more guys like Kenny and less of the, the older style names that coached Kobe and LeBron and, I got nervous that uh, Mike Brown hadn't actually coached Kobe Bryant. So I had to look it up and just to make sure that he did. Like he, <laughs> he, he definitely, I forgot he went back to Cleveland a second time too. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Yikes. That's, that's a bad one. Um, well, there's a lot more to dissect in, in the world of, of Kings basketball, but uh, we'll put an end to this uh, first episode here. You good? You enjoy this? Like, is it you? You you gonna yeah. come back? You gonna keep me company from now on? I'll be here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The uh, the hottest I hope you thing. You all enjoyed it out there. <laughs> the hottest thing in all of Kings Twitter, Jill. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. I'll know what I'm talking about. Thank you for joining me. You're a big part of this show now, Joe. We thank you so much for tuning in. We thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your Sacramento Kings coverage. And we thank you for your support here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network. And we thank you for your support of Manscaped. It's manscaped.com. If you use the promo code right now, promo code HoopBall20, it'll get you 20% off your order plus free shipping. 20% off plus free shipping. Just use the promo code Hoopball20, you can get the new Lawnmower 3.0. You can experience their new cutting-edge ceramic blade that helps you reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. The battery lasts you 90 minutes. It's water-resistant, so you can take care of your grooming in the privacy of the shower. Cleans easily. Got an LED light. Uh, it's got an upgraded 7,000 RPM motor with Quiet Stroke TM technology. It's fantastic. Check it out, manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOPBALL20, and it'll get you 20% off of your order, plus free shipping. And we remind you, check out the debut episode of D'Lo and Casey coming up on ESPN 1320 tomorrow. You can also listen to us on the radio.com app. Just download the radio.com app. Search ESPN 1320. Hit the heart button, and boom. You're in the game with us. And if you miss Monday's show, no worries. We're on Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 o'clock, ESPN, 1320 here in Sacramento and anywhere in the world on the radio.com app. We appreciate your support here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network, and we'll see you next time.